Well, this morning I want to uh, uh, bring a word uh, continuing the series that Pastor has been preaching on faith. So uh, Pastor's been bringing over the last four weeks a, a, a sequential series on the importance and the operation of faith and particularly on how to develop strong and overcoming faith. Everybody say strong and overcoming faith. That's what we want. We want strong and overcoming faith. Faith that's going to work, that's going to do something, that's going to achieve something. And there's been great teaching. And I'd encourage you, if you have uh, missed any of the messages over these last few weeks, go online and have a listen. Because, you know, it's all part of the, the big picture. If you get the whole story, it's far easier to understand and operate in it and uh, move to the next level. Our foundational scripture that pastor's been using is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, who is the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Father, this morning, once again, we want to thank you for your word. We open up our hearts. I submit myself into your hands right now. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking to us. You're helping us to be encouraged to apply the principles of faith that we're hearing and learning, that we can be people of exceedingly and strong and overcoming faith. Father, we thank you that you're taking us from glory to glory, that you're helping us, that you're our teacher, you're our guide. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... When I first read this, um, it's not the main point of it, but I thought I'd touch on this. When I look at a scripture, I like looking at the whole scripture and everything that's there. And uh, when I, I first uh, looked at this, it says that we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses, which are the people in heaven, to this life of faith. And it says to strip off every weight and the sin that so easily entangles or trips us up. And I'm thinking that tells me that the life of faith is not always easy, that it requires some effort. Weight um, uh, and, and sin, it, it, it is challenges that we have in our, in our life and our day-to-day -day living. So it requires effort. It just doesn't happen. And it, you know what I've found in my own life? That it's very hard to be in really strong faith when I've done something wrong, when I've sinned. <laughs> we know. We're convicted. And it's very hard to be positive and when, you, when you're actually carrying a little bit of condemnation or a bit of guilt. And you know. And uh, so sin will trip us up in our faith. I don't think you can be in sin and be in faith at the same time. So we need to keep short accounts. That's why I love, I call it the, the, the Christian's insurance policy. 1 John 1 9, where it says if, if you confess your sins, and he's talking to believers here. He's not talking to the unsaved. He said if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's why it's important that we keep short accounts. We will trip up. Bible says we, we all sin. We all get things wrong from time to time. Uh, the idea is to deal with it. Don't come under the guilt or condemnation of it. Don't, certainly don't continue in it. Okay, that's not a good idea. But confess your sin. And wipe the sake clean. The blood of Jesus is speaking continually on our behalf. Keep short accounts. Keep right with God. Otherwise, you cannot and will not be able to operate in strong faith if you've got sin in your life. It, it just doesn't work. Genesis 4-7 says that, in fact, 
right back in Genesis when um, it was um, Cain Abel. Cain, sin is crouching at the door and it desires to have you. We're fighting a battle in our flesh, in our carnal nature, with the spirit man. And sin is always there. There's always temptations. There's always temptations that we need to overcome. Sin is crouching at the door and it desires to get the better of us. So we're required, it's an effort required here to walk the life of faith. In fact, Paul, when he was speaking to Timothy, in the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, I think it is, he said to fight the good fight of faith. A fight means that it's not easy to stay in faith. And I want to talk about this this morning a lot, lot more. And it says, run with endurance the race. Endurance means, well, we've got to keep on keeping on here. It's just not going to happen automatically. And we keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And I think that rather than just using faith from time to time as we have a need, the important thing is that we develop it as a lifestyle. I think that's what it means by endurance. We want to adopt a lifestyle of living in faith. We're called the believers. We're the believers. We're the believers. And we put our faith in God, not just, you know, a one-off when we got born again. That's where it starts for sure. That's our foundation. But it's the ongoing process of believing, trusting in, confessing and acting on God's word. That's the faith that we're talking about. Started, of course, with our salvation through Jesus. The initiator. The champion who initiated our faith. Started when we got born again. It says the author of our faith. That's when it all happened. We had faith to believe and trust in God. And see, even that faith is actually not of our own, is it? Ephesians 2.8 says that um, it's by grace we've been saved through faith. And that not of yourself... It was the gift of God. Even God gave us the faith that we needed to believe in him to start with. So that's what he talks about, the initiator. Our faith, our salvation faith that even came from God where he drew and revealed himself to us and his goodness led, him, led us to a place of repentance. Jesus, the initiator of our faith. And we have faith that we have been delivered from the consequences of our past life, that we're now born again, that we're new creations. We've got faith that we're going to heaven, that we're free from guilt. We've been justified, just as if we'd never sinned, that we're heaven bound. Wonderful thing. We understand this, I think, as Christians, no problem. We've all got faith for that. We wouldn't be here today if we didn't. And we know that we are now who God says we are, that we can do what God says we can do, that we have what God says we have. We understand that. We read that, but we've got to outwork it. We've got to apply it. And this is what a life of faith will do. Initiated and achieved on the cross, and then it says, and perfected. How is it perfected? Well, it gets perfected by adopting our new kingdom culture. It gets adopted as we develop a change in thinking, and we renew the mind. It gets, developed, it gets, uh, it gets perfected as we develop a new language, a language of faith, and that's mainly what I'm going to move on to in a minute that I want to talk about today. It gets developed as we develop new behaviors, as we, as we develop the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It, it gets developed as we start to grow more to be more like Jesus, as we call it the discipleship process. And we outwork our new creation reality in everyday life. It's outworked as we, and perfected as we keep our eyes on Jesus. We keep our eyes on Jesus. He's our role model. He is the perfecter of our faith. You see, we're created to be like Christ. 
We say that in the, in the five purposes, don't we? Created to be like Christ. Romans 8.29 says that we are to be conformed into his image. And Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, he says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, you may think that's impossible. And in the natural, of course, it is impossible. How can we be perfect? How can we be in the image of Christ? You, you know, religious people would say that's almost blasphemy, but it's in the word. What it tells us we can do. So in the natural, of course, but with the perfecter of the faith, Jesus on the inside of us, it's possible. But we've got to work with him. We've got to work with him. Just as our salvation required us to do something, we had to believe and we have to confess. Well, it's the same as we walk out our Christian, work out our Christian life and be changed and conformed into the image of Christ. We believe. We've got to continue to believe. Got to stay in faith and then we speak, we confess the word. Romans 10.9, pastors referred to this last week. Romans 10.9, he said, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and it is with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we need to continue believing, and we need to continue confessing. We need to work with him if we want to grow. And Jesus has made the way, but we need to apply it. We need to cooperate with him if we're going to live a life of faith and a life of victory. And we all have to do this individually. It's uh, something we're all responsible for our own walk and our own life. And the main way, one of the main ways we do this is by exercising our faith through that confession part, by what we say. Believing is not enough. We must speak. We must declare what we believe. Confess with our mouth. Faith speaks. Remember Pastor was saying last week, faith speaks. Everyone say, faith speaks. Faith That's right. What, 2 Corinthians 4.13 confirms this. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He said, we have the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believed and therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Now this was, Paul was quoting here from the Psalms. And a psalmist, when he was writing the psalm, was saying, if you read in the psalms where you'll find it, I haven't got the reference, but um, the psalmist saying, I believe and therefore I speak. And Paul's saying, hey, look, it's been written. I believe and therefore I speak. And he's saying, now we've got to do the same. That's what he's saying. We've got to do the same. Faith's always been around. It's not just a New Testament thing. Who's the father of faith? Abraham, right? He believed and it was accredited to him as righteousness. He walked by faith. Faith has always been around, and it's very important. It still works the same way. And that's also how the prophetic works. When you think about the prophetic, what you're doing, the prophet will hear from God. It might be through reading his word. It might be a direct word of knowledge. Then they believe. They, obviously, if it hasn't come from the word, they will check it against the word. But then, yes, that's from God. They believe, and then what do they do? They speak it out. A prophet speaks it out. Well, we need to be prophets in our own lives. That's, you're the most important prophet in your life, is you. What you're saying about yourself, what your confession is, very, very important. So, the main way we develop a new life of faith, the main way to develop strong and overcoming faith is by hearing and confessing the word. Romans 10, 17, every, we should all know the scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we declare God's word out of our own mouth, we obviously hear it. And it builds faith in our hearts.
When we hear it from someone else, that's good. But I believe the most powerful way of hearing God's word to make an effect and a change and build something in your life is when we actually confess it and declare it ourselves. So we're declaring God's word this morning and it's going to have an impact. It's going to help you. But really, to go to get where we want to have, to have the fullness of faith, to be able to run the good race of, of faith, to be able to fight the good fight of faith, we need to be building it into our life by speaking it ourselves. Initially, it'll just be in our head. Yes, we read something, we understand it as truth, and we declare it. But as we persist and repeat it and continue to confess it, it goes from our head into our heart. That's what Pastor was talking about last week, wasn't he? He said we go from a confession unto faith to the confession of faith, where it really is that we know, that we know, that we know. It's not just intellectual or mental assent. We actually know. It's in us, like our salvation. It's like when we believed in God. It's that kind of faith. Because it was with, remember, it was the heart you believe and with your mouth you confess and you're saved. Well, it's the same with the all operation of faith. We can't just spout off something we know. The seven sons of Sceva tried to do that and it didn't work too well for them. Okay? But when you know in your heart, bang, you've got authority, you've got an assurance, and that's the faith that moves the mountains. That's the faith we want to move the mountains. So when we're new Christians, we don't always have that. We may have faith in some areas, not others, but we want to develop in every area of our lives. And uh, we go from a confession of unto faith, unto um, of faith. Okay, so the truth is we create our world by the way we think and the words we say. When we acknowledge and speak, confess the truth of God's words, this builds our faith and can change our circumstances and can build a better future for us. This is a lifestyle of faith. Faith is a very powerful tool, tool, church. If you haven't got that by now, you should do. It's a very powerful tool when fully developed and used properly by the believer. It's a force that can change things, and God wants us to use it. In Job 22, 28, it says, You shall decree a thing, and it will be established for you. That's way back in Job, one of the oldest books in the Bible. Principle's still there. You decree it, and it will be established. Just like God spoke the world into creation. He said, let there be light. It was all done by the spoken word. There's a principle for us as believers in that as well. So we declare God's will and his promises and situations. And we need to be bold about it. Faith is bold. Overcoming faith, strong faith, is bold. So we don't just wait, though, for the big challenge to come along. When there's a big need, I mean, we were praying for some things this morning. We we're using our faith, and that's great. There's certainly a role for it. But we shouldn't be just waiting for, for those things. We should be developing continually into a lifestyle to be proactive about developing this in the way we speak, the way we think. We want to be deliberate about it, not just passive and reacting to situations when a crisis comes. We want to develop into a lifestyle, and this takes a bit of work. We don't want to just use, you know, um, faith and, and, and speak that way when we're, we're in our prayer time or when we're just talking with other Christians. It wants to be part of our everyday life. Our everyday conversations is the key. Everyday thinking, our everyday vocabulary. Working with Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. So we need to train our minds. We need to train our tongues. You know, it's like... 
when you come into a new country, and we've probably got some people here today that are actually not born in New Zealand, English is not their first language, and they've come to New Zealand. And they've said, right, if I've come to this new country, I better learn a little bit about it. I better operate the way they do here in Kiwiland. Otherwise, I'm not going to be too successful. They've got different laws here. I can't do the same things I did in my country. I'll be thrown in prison. I need to, uh, you know, they've got different um, language, obviously, different cultures, different social values, different etiquettes. And so immigrants, when they come to a new country, they think, well, okay, I better learn a little bit about this. And if English wasn't their first language, they've got to learn the language. They're going to be successful. Well, it's like us, isn't it? We were in a kingdom, devil's kingdom, and a culture, a worldly culture, and we've come out of that, and we're now in a new kingdom, kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ where there are different values, there are different standards, there's a different way of speaking, there is a different language. And the language that we learn is called faith. That's the name of our new language. It's called faith. And so, just as a, in the natural, someone that's adopting a new country, we need to adopt the culture of the kingdom. Kingdom culture, kingdom thinking, kingdom speaking. So, I, uh, I'll give you my testimony now, a little bit about how this was for me. I, uh, I didn't get saved a little bit later on in life. I was uh, 39 when I got born again. So I'd uh, travelled the road in, the, in, the, in, in my other life, my other culture that I used to live in, my, the other kingdom that I used to live in, and I had developed some pretty bad habits. I wouldn't say I was a terrible person or anything like that. I knew how to be polite and say my yeses and thank yous, but I used to swear a lot. And I used to use coarse language and uh, a lot of um, and foolish talking. I used to be critical, cursing, and uh, they were just part of normal life. You go out there in the Kiwi, you go out, out in the pubs, and you, you, you'll see that. You all know that. You've all experienced that. And so um, I had to learn a, a new culture and a new language. It's called a higher standard. Now, I found the swearing, to be quite honest, um, reasonably easy to give up. I uh, Straight away, I thought, well, that's, this, you know, I didn't need to be a... a, a theological student to realize that well, swearing is probably not too good for a Christian. So, I, um, so I, uh, I gave up the swearing and I didn't have too much trouble with that. I mean, the old one slips out now and again still, <laughs> um, I confess. Um, but, um, uh, you know, I, uh, as soon as I do it, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to talk about why that happens too in a minute because we, you'll recognize if that happens to you. Um, but I used to also use a lot of slang. And I was growing up in a home where, you know, we always had sayings for everything. And, uh, and I, that's, I found that a little bit harder. You know, there's like, I had a mate of mine and um, we, I played golf with and he, uh, he couldn't uh, see too well. And, you know, he said, oh, you're blind as a bat. Well, I didn't mean any harm by it, but what am I actually saying? I'm putting a curse on him, saying you're blind as a bat. I mean, I saw that sort of thing, you know, not blatant swearing, but still not good, not part of the language of faith when you're in the kingdom church. So, you know, and uh, like the battery's gone flat. Oh, it's, it's um, dead as a dodo. That one's probably okay. Dodo's an extinct bird, if in case you didn't know what I know. And there are some that are okay. So we don't want to be religious about it. Someone says, oh, I'm hungry. Oh, yeah, I could eat a horse. Well, it's probably not too much harm in that, okay? So <laughs> slang, I'm not saying we shouldn't have slang. There's some funny things and we can use them, but we need to be careful. We need to be careful, all right? You don't want to say I'm blind as a bat or that person's thick as two short planks. I mean, don't... I mean, these are sort of, you know... What you're, what you're doing is 
It's a curse, actually. Your words have power. They can affect you. They can affect others. So in itself, what's going to happen to that person if I say they think it's too short? It's probably not a lot. But what I'm talking is a cumulative effect that builds up over time. So we need to retrain our minds and our tongues to speak life, to speak faith, and not get caught up on these things. Even though we think they're frivolous and we don't mean any harm by them, they still have an effect. The words are still having a, they're a force. I caught Di out the other day. <laughs> her, 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 her car uh, wasn't starting and we had to take it into the garage. And I heard her on the phone talking to her friend. She says, oh, oh yeah, the car's dead. I said, I said, no, the car is not dead. The car needs servicing and it'll still be, soon be running fine. Okay, that's what we say. Okay, it's overdue maintenance and it will still soon be running fine. It's not dead. Don't pronounce a curse over your car. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I've died just reminding me that I'm a bit naughty as well. She's got a, she's got a cat that is the dumbest cat you've ever seen. <laughs> this, cat, this cat is now 12 years old. It still doesn't know how to use the cat door. I mean, it, it, and I call him Einstein. Ooh. So probably not a good thing to say. Harmless enough, but um, we do need to watch our... We do need to watch our words. So what we've got to do, what we've got to do is we've got to reprogram. Reprogram our minds. Reprogram our tongues. And uh, this is when you, as I say, if you can do this when you're earlier on in life as a child, brought up in the ways of the Lord and trained these truths, it's a lot easier. It's like the, the old illustration we've had of a ship. You know, a big ship like Peavers on the ferries. And when you've got to try and turn that ship, it takes a long time to turn it around and change the direction of it. And so when you're ingrained in a, in a, in a lifestyle and a thought pattern and, and, and a vocabulary that is not faith, it takes a while to, to retrain and to unlearn and reprogram. Younger ones, you haven't been on that journey for so long, so it's probably going to be like a speedboat. You can turn it around fairly quickly. But um, it, it takes effort and it takes time. And we've got to work on it. Absolutely, we've got to work on it. And it's very important because there is life and power in the power of the tongue. We read that in Proverbs 8, 21. The tongue has power of life and death, and those who love it eat the fruit thereof. In other words, we could rephrase that and say, you'll get what you say. We get what we say. So we need to be careful what we say. So we create a new language of faith, and um, we go to uh, develop a strong and overcoming faith. And then, of course, the main teacher of this is the Bible, the Word of God, and it's a process of tell it, t- turning what we know into, uh, into the spoken Word. Romans 10.8 says this. It says, The Word is near you. It is in your heart. It is in your mouth. That is the Word of faith that we have been proclaiming. So we have the Word. It says it's in our mouth. What does that really mean? It's in our mouth. We're not chewing it. It means we're speaking it. Okay? It means to speak it. We must incorporate it, as I say, into our everyday vocabulary, I reckon. And uh, we're not just to use it on a Sunday. We're not just to be people of faith on a Sunday when we're with other Christians. We want to develop as a lifestyle. When you do that, that'll make sure that when the times come where you've got a really big need, you're not having to prepare and battle through. You're already there. And just bang, 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 hitting things all the time. Speaking positively. Now, you're not going to go around all day quoting scripture. Don't be weird, okay? If you bump into someone in the street, right, and they say, how are you going? You don't say, well, I'm highly blessed and favoured by the Lord, thank you. Okay? But don't be a weirdo. Be real. Someone comes up to your street and says, how are you going? You say, good. 
Or as Pastor Stefan always says when I ask him, how are you going? That's what you do. How are you? How are you going? You're good. He always says, excellent, thank you. So he takes it to even a higher standard. He always says, excellent, thank you. I, can, I know it for sure. Before I ask him, I know he's going to say it. Excellent, thank you. So that's a good confession. I have, got, have had to try and get out of the habit of saying, oh, not bad. A lot of you do that one? Not bad? Well, not bad is not bad, but it's not as good as good. Is that too heavy for you? Okay. So saying not bad is, is not too bad, but I think it would probably be better if I said good. I'm good today. Thank you. Amen. So you get the idea. So <clears throat> we do need specific scriptures for certain situations, but I'm talking everyday walkabout conversation. Now, I'm not a psychologist, which is psychology is a study of the mental processes. Okay. But there are some principles that I've learned in life and, and through being a Christian, but even before then, actually, that, that, uh, that I believe show us better how all this works. So I'm going to move quickly onto this. Firstly, I want to explain the difference between faith and hope. Good that we understand this, faith and hope. You see, when we speak, you've got to understand that faith is always now. It's in the present. Hope is future. Okay? Fact present. Hope is future. Hope refers to the future and it's termed as a future statement, whereas fact refers to the present and is termed as a fact statement. And we want to develop a lifestyle of, of, of faith speaking, okay? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of the things hoped for. It's good to have hope, but if we want to bring them into the now to make them substantial right now, we've got to decree faith. That's how it works. So hope has its place, don't get me wrong. It's a, a wonderful thing and, um, and it has a very important place. And I've got a whole another message on that that I might bring one day, but uh, not for now. So faith is present, hope is future. It uh, doesn't mean we shouldn't use the word hope. We're allowed to use the word hope, but it needs to be in the right context. Let me explain. A future message is something like this. I must, I want to, I need to. And what they're doing is they're telling our subconscious to put them off into the future. See, our subconscious is like the unconscious mind, the things that we do automatically without thinking about. And quite often we speak without thinking. It's just a natural impulse, isn't it? Well, we're trying to train our subconscious to be able to come up with the right things. It's what we're saying, acting without actually being aware of it. The, the part of the mind that's below the conscious level includes our imagination, actually, also. Just because we're not consciously thinking about something doesn't mean that the words don't have an impact. They do. So our words achieve what we send them to do. I must do that report. I need to paint the fence. I hope to be there. I'm planning on losing weight. I'll try not to do that again. They're all future. You think about them. They're all future statements. And what happens is our subconscious mind agrees with our words and we find ourselves putting them off into the future. This happens actually without us even realizing it. However, fact statements, I never, I always tell our subconscious to act now. This is a big principle, guys. So instead of, I must do that report, I'm going to do that report now. I'm going to do that report today. Instead of, I need to paint the fence, I will paint the fence this weekend. I hope to be there. I will be there. I'm planning on losing weight. My weight loss program starts today. I'll try not to do that again. I won't do that again. 
our subconscious attempts to make a picture or an image created by our words, regardless whether they're good or bad, actually, uh, for us. Our subconscious responds to the messages worded as fact, and it does the best to put them into practice. Whereas a future message, our subconscious also agrees with us and tells us to put it off into the future. We don't realize this is happening. And this is one of the main reasons why good intentions fail to become reality. We're giving ourselves a future message. Come on, how many times? I know I've done it. How many times have we made promises to ourselves and to others with the best intentions, but we haven't done it? Well, maybe it's because we have been speaking out the future message rather than the fact message. And we also need to be speaking what I would call solution messages, faith, as opposed to problem messages, which are doubt or fear, unbelief. So, for instance, imagine this. We're at, you're playing cricket, and uh, your team is fielding. The, uh, the opposition needs it's the last ball of the match. They need six runs to win the match. And you're right out on the boundary. Okay? The ball goes over the boundary on the full. They get their six runs, they win. The bowler comes in. The batsman stands there, and he takes an almighty heave at the ball. He hits it, and it comes flying out towards you. And you're standing on the boundary. Oh, my goodness. You're either going to take the catch and be a hero, or it's going to go over your head for six runs, and the other team are going to win. And you're saying to yourself, oh, I better not, I better not drop it. Don't catch it. Don't catch it. Don't, don't, don't drop it. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. Or that's the problem message. Or the solution message will say, catch it. I'm going to catch it. I'm going to catch it. Now, Whatever we think about or whether we state, whether it be the problem or the solution, our mind visualizes it and does its best to make it happen. Sports psychologists know this. The world system knows this. Okay? So by saying, I better not drop this catch, what we've done is actually increase the likelihood of us dropping it. If we're saying to ourselves, here comes a brilliant catch, I can do this, there's more likelihood of us catching it. You get the principle? Now, does that mean that the guy who said, I'm going to drop the catch, won't catch it? He could catch it. <laughs> and the guy who said, I'm going to catch it, he could drop it. But I'm talking about a principle here of building into our life with a confession that we want to do. And this is a principle in psychology. Uh, but it's all, all directly from the Word of God. God invented faith. So um, let's have a look at some other examples. I think this is for the husbands. I'm not quite sure. It might be the wives. I always forget our anniversary. <laughs> Guess what? I had a guy to me the other day. I met in Auckland. He said, oh, I always forget our anniversary. Well, guess what's going to happen? He's more likely to continue to forget the anniversary. He's just spoken over himself. Whereas you should say, even if you have forgot it every year, why not start saying, I always remember. Now, the wife will say, no, you always forget. No, no, I always remember. You change your confession. You build a new reality. That's what faith does. We're not stuck in the rut. I always remember our anniversary. Guess what? Next year, there's the present on the bed before she wakes up. Oh, man, brownie points you are. Woo! How did you do that? You always forget. Because I love you, darling. And you always give me a present. Yeah, so there we are. Problem statement. Problem statement. The stress of, stress of this job is getting too much for me. What have you just done? 
You've just compounded the problem. You've just reinforced the problem. It might seem like that, but we don't verbalize it. This is what I'm saying. Developing faith is an everyday language. The solution statement would be, I effectively manage all the challenge that my job entails. Problem statement. These changes will be disastrous for me. Solution statement. No matter what happens, I will make a way of making these changes work well for me. Retraining the mind, the tongue. What about our Bible college students they had an exam yesterday and the youth are going to be still in school exams shortly. Oh, I'm no good at exams. I hate exams. Don't say that. Even if you've failed every exam up to that point, start saying, I'm good at exams. I can pass this exam. Get your confession right. And you're going to build confidence. You're going to build it into your subconscious. It'll make a difference. Like the rudder on the ship. It might not see it straight away. But gradually, gradually you'll turn. Turn your life around in these situations. It can be used in any situation. These are just some principles. Stating a solution message as a fact will produce a positive. Visualize and speak the desired result, the desired outcome. That's what we want to be confessing. So we need to be positive people, not negative. We need to be optimists, not pessimists. I can do it. I can't do that. No, you can. I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So bring in scripture when needed, particularly when speaking to yourself. Okay? By developing this habit of faith, where likelihood, the more likelihood of developing faith as a lifestyle and achieving positive outcomes for our life increased dramatically. Dramatically. Another example was um, uh, for, for, for the golfers out there. You're playing golf, and as I say, sports psychologists know this. You, um, you, you've got a, you're coming up towards the, the, the green, and there's this huge, great bunker in front of the green. And what are you doing? Are you focusing on the bunker? Oh, I better not go in that bunker. I don't want to hit it in the bunker. What you're doing is increasing your chances of going in the bunker. What you should be thinking is, there's the, there's the flag. I'm going to put this right by the flag. I'm going to put this on the green. Don't focus on the negative. Focus on what the outcome wants to be, and you're increasing your likelihood of achieving it. Amen? Alrighty, so <clears throat> we're using biblical principles of faith in everyday life. That's what I'm talking about, building a lifestyle of faith. So we just don't have to use it when the crisis comes. It's automatically, it's in us. It's who we are. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You may just be dealing with natural matters, but the, as I say, the principles work in all areas of life. You know, the cults understand this. What are you, you know, they come and they have their chants and their mantras, even companies and even what is old Kim Jong-un in North Korea. They're chanting out, oh, he's great, he's great, he's great, because they know repetition. Repetition is very powerful. Confession brings belief. And so these principles are operating. Cults and that understand it. So how much more we, the body of Christ? Other examples. I must not forget to. No, don't say that. I will remember. I'm too busy. No, no, I will find time. I'm efficient. I'm effective. I get things done. That's your confession. You're so difficult to deal with. I'm oh, sorry, they are so difficult to deal with. I better, get better, better, better not make it personal. They are so difficult to deal with. I cope well with all types of people. All right? Come on, these are real everyday examples. I'm, I'm sure I've said one that can apply to everybody in here by now. So come on, we can do this. Retraining the mind, the tongue. Okay. What about parents? You never make your bed in the morning. <laughs> Thank you for making your bed in the morning. Say that the night before. 
don't say you're a naughty boy. You're a good boy who can do better next time. All right, don't reinforce. What about this one? This is, um, this is probably, I think, could this be husbands to the wives? You never help with the dishes. <laughs> oh, it might be the other way around, eh? I appreciate, don't say that, I appreciate your help with the dishes. We, we don't go out anymore. No, 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 no. Don't reinforce the problem. I enjoy going out together. We should do it more often. Okay? Training, everyday tongue. I'm sick and tired of this weather. Don't. You hear that one all the time. I'm sick and tired, I'm sick and tired. You, what, we're not sick. You don't want to put sickness on yourself. You don't want to be tired. Don't say it. You got a problem with the weather? Just say, it's going to be good tomorrow. I'm looking forward to the good weather. Be careful what we say. The old saying in the Navy, loose lips sink ships. We went on our ship to sink, okay? <laughs> and I, I was traveling to Auckland, drove to Auckland the other day, and there's a sign, speed kills. Well, you know, but it's, it's a negative. What, wouldn't it be better to have the sign, slow down and live? I think that would be a better confession. Yeah. So, as I say, we're talking about general conversation. We still need scripture when it's appropriate, um, and we can use the word. I mean, you know, uh, uh, maybe a health challenge and I heard someone the other day talking about arthritis well don't ever say arthritis runs in my family my mother had arthritis but I don't have it because by his stripes I'm healed now you won't use that if you're talking to a non-christian but you know don't 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 buy into it oh it runs in our family don't don't say that Jesus has broken the curse he has healed us we whatever it might have been it might have been there in our family line we're not denying truth that's not what faith is but we're confessing what God now says about us, the new creation reality. So, it's easy to do it when we're in a prayer meeting, as I say. Easy to do it when we're around other Christians, when we're in church. We know our, our Christian language, but it's a little bit harder to do in, uh, in everyday life. And that's what we want to try and work on. And of course, it just doesn't affect us, it affects others as well. You know, in the message version of that same scripture from Proverbs 18.21, where life and death in the power of the tongue, it says this, Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. We choose. It's what comes out of our mouth. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that something's going to happen straight away, but it does have a cumulative effect. It's like the big ship turning around. So let's not go there. Let's learn and discipline ourselves to do this. And we've got to protect our peace. I found when I blurt out the wrong thing and say the things, it's because I'm stressed, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm worried. That's when you, you, you do it. When you, you know, when you're under pressure, that's when you can say the wrong thing. So protecting our peace, cast, talking to the Lord about it, casting our cares on him are very important. Otherwise, our flesh will get the better of us, and that's when we blurt out and say the negative things. We need to protect our peace. Isaiah 26, 3, 4 tells us this. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord, is the rock eternal. Trust and faith, similar thing. We trust in him. We have faith in God. We don't need to worry. And our faith will bring us peace. It will bring us security and it will bring us confidence. And we'll speak life far more often. Whereas fear, the opposite, worry, insecurity, lack, confidence, uh, a lack of confidence and anxiety um, will cause us to, uh, to speak negatively.
And we face many challenges and things, life is things. But that's where we need to stay close to the Lord. Keep our eyes on the perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. And he helps us. He's the Prince of Peace. Very important that we, um, very important that we protect our peace and hold our tongue. Some people are just too quick to speak. But I, it's better if you've got nothing positive to say, to say nothing rather than say something negative. Devil actually tries to get us, doesn't he? He uh, he plays seeds in, in, into our mind, and we were frustrated and we're angry. And oh, someone's done something really wrong or stupid, and we we it's going to make us feel better to say, "Go and say it. It'll make you feel better. Get it off your chest." And we might for a moment, but really, it doesn't achieve anything. It has a negative effect. But Second Corinthians ten five says, "Take every thought captive, in obedience to Christ." We take the thoughts captive. We don't let just whatever comes into our mind come out of our mouth. Take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. Okay, keep our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. So we speak life. We speak our life to ourselves and to others. We prophesy, we preach to ourselves. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that is promised. Hold fast to it. Be consistent. There's an old saying in the faith circles that confession brings possession. Confession brings possession. We need to be consistent. We can all do this. A life of victory is a life of faith. It is our new culture. It is our new language. We're in charge. We need to be deliberate about it and we need to be bold. In Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, it says this. For he himself said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We're a people who speak life, who declare God's words and all its promises. We don't confess feelings. We're positive. We confess the word. We confess the desired outcome. We find appropriate scriptures for certain situations so we know how to call upon them and decree them when we need them. And God's word goes forth in the power and does not return to him void, but it achieves that which he's sending it to do when we speak it. We become... The influences, not the influenced. We create the atmosphere and don't come under the atmospheres. We're not dictated to by circumstances. We don't join in with negativity and doom and gloom. We speak life. And I'll finish with this one scripture. Hebrews 10, 35 and 39. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those who believe and are saved. Father, bow our heads. Lord, we declare that we have our confidence in you and that it will be richly rewarded. We will persevere. And do your will. And therefore receive what you have promised. We know that you are coming. And so we determine to live by faith. We will not shrink back. And so then you are going to be pleased with us. We will not be destroyed. Because we trust in you. We will be saved. We will fight the good fight of faith. We will declare life. And we thank you Father. That you are with us. That Jesus you are the perfecter.
of our faith. Amen.